God won't give you more than you can handle. Said no Bible verse ever. Join me on Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson as we take a look at 1 Corinthians 10.13 in context. Scripture is not discerned by opinion. You cannot rightly apply the Bible until you first rightly divide the Bible. We do not get to decide what the Bible means. We get to discover what the Bible means. Welcome to Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. Thank you for joining me. Before we jump into this episode and the subject that we're going to be looking at today, I'd like to ask you to look down below the border of this video and hit the subscribe button and the thumbs up button and the notification bell. I'd appreciate it very much. Analytics reveal that 85% of the viewers of this channel are not subscribed and yet most return for multiple viewings of different episodes. So I'd appreciate it if you'd hit that subscribe button. Appreciate it very much. In this episode, we're going to be taking a look at another verse that is so often taken out of context, and I believe with good intention or heartfelt compassion for those who are struggling under difficulties, upsets in life, burdens, issues, you know, there's, there are those seasons in life that we all go through that it seems like we just can't catch a break. It is one thing after another. If the roof isn't falling in, then the bottom's falling out, and the walls are moving in, and it's just one thing after the other. It's one struggle in life. It's from trial to tragedy to tribulation over and over again, and we just can't seem to catch a break. And somewhere along the line, somebody's going to say this. They're going to say it. Don't worry. God won't give you more than you can handle. The problem is, is that's not in the Bible. But there is a verse that people refer to, and they kind of twist this verse, not only take it out of context, but they, they actually twist some of the terminology um, and, and try to make it sound like God won't give us more than we can handle. Now, stay with me because there's a whole context around this verse, verse 13 in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So I'm going to read the verse, uh, first of all, uh, so that we understand what we're, what we're talking about. We get a clear understanding of this, this whole idea of God won't give you more than you can handle. <clears throat> Said no Bible verse ever. Now, um, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, even in that verse alone, in that verse alone, without all the contextual support around it, it, it really doesn't refer to any kind of a, uh, an application of somebody who's going through life and just, go, just a lot of tragedies or just a period in life where it seems you can't catch a break. That's not what this is dealing with at all. Even in this verse alone, I think I've said this in every episode, verse numbers invite us to fragment things out of the contextual uh, structure that they're in. So we need to consider chapter 10 all the way up through verse 13, 14, and, and what is going on here. So I'm going to read, it's way too much text to put on the screen and, and scroll through, but I encourage you to, if you have an opportunity even right now, to open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and follow along as I begin in verse 1. Also remember this, that 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Paul is writing the church at Corinth, 
And this church has extreme problems. There is a lot of chastening and discipline, warning uh, about the need for them to get their lives straightened out in many areas and of dangers that are, that are all around them. And so this is part of that warning. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. Now, this is Paul referring back to the Old Testament and the nation of Israel and wandering around in the wilderness when they were delivered. Um, they were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock, capital R, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So all of these people experienced the miraculous protection and provision of God through the wandering around in the wilderness. Verse 5. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Even though they lived in the midst of God's abundant blessing and provision in miraculous ways, they still rebelled, they still complained, they still moaned, they still grumbled. Okay, so all these things are going on. This is leading up to verse 13. Now these things became our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things also as they lusted. So what did they lust for? They lust, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted the food that was back there rather than the food was, that God was providing for them. They wanted to go back to that lifestyle of bondage rather than living in the freedom and the hope and the promise that God was giving them of delivering them to the promised land. They were lusting after those things. When Moses, while they were in the wilderness, and Moses goes up onto the mountain and comes down with the Ten Commandments, what does he, what does he find? They lusted after the gods back in Egypt, had Aaron melt down all the golden jewels and make a golden calf, and they were beginning pagan worship at the foot of the mountain where God was delivering the Ten Commandments, the law to Moses. Now, uh, this, this is the lust that went on. So lust in this context is not essentially or just isolated to a physical, uh, sensual kind of lust. It's, it's, it's lust of the flesh after anything. The food, the life back in, in Egypt, in another, in another area, pagan worship, all of this. So they, uh, that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Now, oh, I don't worship a golden calf. Well, it's not about the object. It's about the heart. That's what he's focusing on. And verse 7, And do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality. So that was included in there, but it wasn't. The lust isn't specifically uh, speaking to just sexual immorality. As some of them did, and in one day, 23,000 fell uh, nor let us tempt Christ. So we shouldn't tempt Jesus either, putting God to the test. So all of these other evil things along with this, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. Um, so that's referring to Numbers 21. Your, your study Bible should have a cross-reference to that verse that takes you back to Numbers 21. God delivered the, the Canaanites into, into, the, into the hand of Israel, uh, and yet they still grumbled and complained. Uh, and then God brought judgment on them in the form of serpents. And this is where we have God giving the instruction to make the serpent and put it up in the pole. And those who look on the serpent that look to God deliverance from that, uh, they would be delivered from that. So that's that's what's being dealt with there. So I share all of that 
So far, we haven't talked about the burdens and struggles in life and the trials. We're talking about temptation as we lead up to verse 13, okay? Nor complain, complaining as a a sin, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the earth of, uh, of the ages have come. Okay, so all of these things are an example. And now we're leading up into verse 13 about no temptation has overtaken you. So there are three therefore clauses that follow. One is in verse 12, the other is verse 14, and the third one is at the end of this chapter, which is verse 31. So a therefore clause is a culmination. It's a concluding statement, a summation and an application based upon what was just said in the flow of the context. So the first therefore is verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. To what? To these temptations. To this lust that uh, is a constant temptation in life. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That's the first therefore clause. The second one is verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Don't, don't see that just in the narrow concept of specific graven idols. Or it could include that. But idolatry, again, is not about the object. Idolatry is about the heart. That's speaking to the heart issue, not the object issue. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And then the third, therefore, verse 31, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The summation of all of this. Now, verse 13 follows the first, therefore. Verse 12 says, so we have, you know, all our fathers were here. They all passed through the sea. They are all baptized. And yet they all still grumbled, complained, and sinned. They gave in to the lust of the flesh and the desires that they had. And they were rejecting what God was providing for them. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Into verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So it's. It's not talking about trials and tribulations in the sense of, I have difficulties in life. I have heartaches and upsets and, you know, my car breaks down and somebody gets sick and I get bad news from the doctor. Oh, I, you know, oh don't worry. God won't give you more than you have. That's, that's, not what this is, that's not what this is teaching at all. So no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. It's talking about these spiritual things that are going on, these spiritual battles that we deal with. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted. That's the second mention of this name. By the way, one is a noun, the first mention is a noun, and the second is a verb, same root word, to be tempted, the act of tempting. So we have the temptation itself, that And then we have the act of this temptation. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with that temptation, we'll also make a way of escape. It's interesting, the Greek word that is translated as escape here means to uh, to get away from, uh, to get out from under, that you you are an enabled 
uh, to move away from. There's another course. There's another direction. There's, a, there's some way for you to essentially move away from whatever that is uh, that is causing you temptation before we give in to that temptation to escape it that you may be able to bear it. So bearing or enduring through the temptation, one of the, the, the primary way of doing that is to escape from it, get away from that which tempts you. Uh, it seems somewhere else in the Bible, maybe it says something about laying aside the weight that so easily besets us. Those things that trip us up, stay away from them. That's what's being told to us essentially here is this, this has nothing to do with um, God not giving us more than we can handle as far as trials and tribulations in life. In fact, in fact, um, we're even told, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, uh, listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning of verse 8. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Jesus said, in this life, you will have troubles. You're going to have troubles. It's going to happen. Look at the life of Paul, for an example of many in Scripture who had troubles that were, that were tremendous, that were overwhelming. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above our own strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now here, he's not talking about temptations. He's talking about the troubles of life. The difficult situations and circumstances that come on us, and many of them beyond our control. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. So in 2 Corinthians, Paul is saying, yeah, we have all, we don't want you to be ignorant of these things, that life, there are troubles and trials. Now listen, I, I believe God cares about the upsets in life, the things that come upon us, the sickness, the illness, we lose a job, a child gets sick, the loved one is injured, or, you know, we're in an accident, and, uh, you know, there's a fire in our home. I believe God does care about those things. But those are not the things that 1 Corinthians 10.13 is talking about. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is talking about spiritual warfare, not the physical uh, calamities and maladies that fall upon us in life that we have no control over. Now, here's the truth of the matter. God cares about both of those things. But this verse is not talking about the upsets of, of life, uh, the, the things that just seem to overwhelm us. And even as I'm sharing this with you, I can think of multiple individuals that I know personally who, ha who are in the midst of and have been going through overwhelming life situations, whether it's health or finances, or oftentimes those things are, are combined. And just it just seems like, man, I, I can't deal with the next thing that's going to come along. Now, God does care about that. And I do believe that he comes alongside of us and he gives us strength and he meets us in our need. But I believe it's also in the middle of those things that we realize our need of him. If God removed all of those things, how often would there be times where we go through things and I think, oh, I, I can do this on my own. I don't need God. But yet in the midst of all of these things, how often, 
And I know there are many of you who are watching this, and, and you can relate to this. How often are we in those times of life where we're overwhelmed with the tragedies and the trials and the upsets and the disappointments? And I mean, it's just overwhelmed. We're so discouraged and defeated we're, that we're truly crying out to God, God, you've got to help me. And he does. He does. But that's not what this verse is dealing with. This verse is dealing with spiritual warfare, uh, the, the lust that goes on there of, of other things, the desires and falling to temptation. In the, now, what we are being taught here is God will provide a way out of everything that we personally experience as a temptation. He will provide a way out. And the immediate way out is generally to flee whatever, get it, put distance between me and whatever that temptation is. I always think of Joseph being tempted by, uh, Pharaoh, uh, by uh, Pharaoh's wife and, and him, him fleeing. He got out of there so fast he left his coat in her hands, his garment in her hands. That kind of thing of fleeing, get away from, run from it. Exactly the opposite of what David did when he saw Bathsheba there. And he lingered there at the temptation. Never linger at a temptation. And that's, that's what this verse is talking about. God provides a way of escape to get away from the temptation. And so 1 Corinthians 10.13 is not dealing with the issues of life that we deal with, the trials and difficulties and struggles. It's dealing with spiritual warfare. God cares about both. And there are answers in his word for us to live in victory in both of these areas. In our trials in our struggles, in our heartaches and upsets and disappointments, provides us the opportunity to turn things over to God and to rest in Him, to trust in Him, to see His hand working in our lives, providing and caring for, even in those difficult times of life. Just as Jesus said, in this life, you will have trials and tribulations. But Jesus said, I have overcome. One day, Scripture tells us, all of these trials and struggles, even the spiritual battles, as well as the physical calamities it would deal with, the pain, the sorrow, the suffering, the upset, the disappointment, the struggles, the things that we just seem to get overwhelmed with at times in our lives, one day all of those things are going to be over for eternity. And he's preparing a a place for us, and one day he will come again and take us to be with him in a place where there is no more sorrow, no more struggle, no more difficulty, no more suffering, but in his presence is joy forevermore. Thank you for joining me on Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. I appreciate you being here. Once again, you can contact me through email at rightlydividingtheword215 at gmail.com. Again, I'm asking you to hit that subscribe button Hit the share and like and the notification bell. Put your comments down below and send in your questions. I appreciate hearing from all of you. Until the next time, we're gathered together here at Rightly Dividing. Take care. God bless.